Welcome to the Qalam Institute podcast. You're listening to Lives of the Prophets by Mufti Hussein Thamani. Imagine spending two weeks, every day, morning and evening, with the Prophet That's the vision behind Sirah Intensive. Every year, over a hundred people from all over the world come together to spend two weeks immersed in learning about the life and character of the Messenger of Allah, Muhammad wasallam. Sign up and get more information at sirahintensive.com. That's S-E-E-R-A-H intensive.com. You know the prohibition in the hadith regarding tasawir pictures? Some scholars, they take a, uh, a very a general and broad and um, safe approach and they say all sorts of pictures are prohibited because the Quran, uh, because the Prophet in authentic narrations mentions that Allah's curse is upon those who take pictures. While another group of scholars, and this is a good number of scholars, they say that pictures in themselves are not prohibited. What is prohibited is creating a picture that will be honored. You guys understand that? A picture that will be honored. Because Islam has nothing against an image. What Islam has something against is, the pot, is leading to shirk. And that's why the, 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 the curse of Allah is on that person. Hence the hadith says that on the day of judgment, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will call the musawwir, the one who makes pictures forward, and will say to that person that you cannot go to paradise until you put a soul into it. You know, the idea of being proud of your creation. And this is common as well. You know, there are some artists, their, paint, their paintings go for millions of dollars. There's so much pride over it. There's such a concept behind it. There's such a skill behind it. Which each, with each breath, there's an idea of taking a stroke. And you have, to, you, have to, you have to watch over the canvas very carefully and watch over the painting very carefully. These paintings take sometimes years at a time. They only paint in certain seasons because they want to make sure the heat and the temperature and the, the environment has a very, very soft impact while they're painting. So this is a very detailed uh, science involved. And they argue back by saying that the suite we have today isn't necessarily picture making, rather it's picture taking. So they take a difference between the both. Picture making is where you actually make something and you take pride over it and honor it. And it's kind of like a connection, like, not a connection, it's a boasting issue. So there are artists who after finishing off their masterpieces will openly claim that who is there in the world that can compete with me? You guys understand? Who, the, who is there in the world that can compete with my painting? So this, this sort of kibr, and this sort of claiming to be Lord, and you know, someone that no one can, the world can compare to, is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala dislikes. As opposed to the pictures that we take today, that's more of picture taking. And what that means is that you're not making it, you're capturing it. It's something similar to a person standing above, above a pond. Right? You're just capturing that moment. You've got technology to freeze that moment. Or like someone standing in front of a mirror, you're actually taking a reflection of reality and you're freezing it. You guys understand that? So it's kind of like someone who picks up food from Walmart and puts it in their freezer and warms it up. Are you going to say you cooked that food? Can anyone really take pride over warming up uh, ramen noodles in your microwave? Unless you're in college, right? <laughs> Nobody else takes pride in that. Even college guys, you've got to stop eating ramen noodles. They're really, really bad for you, by the way. Okay? Your stomach can't digest them. I know they're cheap, 10, 15 cents for a meal. That's a deal, right? I mean, 50 cent, 15 cents per meal. That's awesome. Um, anyway, we shouldn't talk about ramen noodles. This idea of capturing, taking, and making. Scholars differ in opinion on the issue. We respect the differences of opinion, and all scholars in their ishtihad, inshallah, are rewarded by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, one thing everyone will agree upon, whether it's picture taking or picture making, or whether you even know a difference or not between the two, one thing everyone will agree upon is a picture that is honored is a no. What did I say? A picture that is honored is a no. One of my teachers used to say something interesting. There was a, uh, I remember once I, when I was in Madrasa, there was a file going around amongst the students. And in the file, there were pictures of these senior scholars, 
from the subcontinent. Sheikh Ashraf Ritanu Rahmatullahi Alayhi, Sheikh Zakaria Rahmatullahi Alayhi, Mawana Anwar Shah Kashmiri Rahmatullahi Alayhi. These are giants, by the way. So someone somehow compiled all their pictures, put them in a file, and was forwarding them around. So I recall going to one of my teachers and I said to him, Sheikh, there are pictures of these scholars, um, such great scholars of Islamic history. Um, would you like to see it? So he said to me, those pictures for me are worse than looking at pornography. I was like, what? This is a picture of scholars. He said, that's exactly why. He said, the reason is because that I know is haram. If someone is to look at that, they know that's haram, that's something horrible, right? This right here, by looking at it, you would honor it. And then you, when many people look at these pictures, they cry, they kiss them, hold them to their heart, print them, put them on their walls. And he said, what I fear from that is shirk. Now if I were to compare zina with shirk, which one takes a higher degree? He said, shirkness. And I remember him telling us that you must delete all of those files immediately. Because a picture that is honored is poison for you. It's poison for your iman. It's something you run away from. Now that's something that you have to remember. That's why Hanafi fuqaha says something very interesting. Hanafi fuqaha say it's actually permissible. This is actually written in Hanafi text, okay? Classical Hanafi text. They say that it's permissible for a person to have a picture on the ground in the toilet. That's very abstract, isn't it? Why would someone have a picture on the ground in the toilet? And the reason why they say that is because anyone's picture that's there, anyone whose picture is on the ground in the toilet will never be Never be honored, obviously. So the idea of honoring versus dishonoring, it's like two polars there. It's very clear. It's a polarized issue. It's a clear issue. So again, the idea of being careful when it comes to um, shirk or anything that leads to that. Um, I've seen this commonly, and this is very, very sad. People say shirky words with their tongues without even knowing it. There was one brother that I was sitting with. Um, he was driving me somewhere. And while he was uh, driving me, he was, um, he was murmuring something. We were going for a lecture and he was saying something on his tongue. So I said, brother, what are you saying? He said, Sheikh, uh, it's better off you don't know. I said, I'd like to know now. <laughs> so he said to me, well, I'm singing a song. So I said, well, let's hear your voice. Let's hear you sing it for me, right? There were no, new, 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 no instruments there. So he started singing the lyrics. And I kid you not, astaghfirullah. Those lyrics were clear kufr. They were clear kufr, I'm not lying to you, right? I've noticed this, many songs, if you look at their words, they're so kufri, so shirki, that when you look at them, um, this idea of, especially when it comes to Bollywood songs, you think about the industry is run by non-Muslims. Do you guys agree on that? And Hindus are much more religious than the Hollywood industry. The Hollywood industry is all about atheism. They don't want God, so they're, all, they're just constantly creating movies, mocking God and mocking messengers and that whole idea of theism. But when you come to the Bollywood industry, it's all about um, their, their um, Hindu festivals and worshipping this and you know, um, enjoying the festivals and stuff and praising the Lord at the time of their marriages because that's obviously a, a, a ritual act for them. And then these very same songs that are all about their lords and their, um, their, their, whatever, their angels, their religion, are being sung and played at Muslim weddings. This is a very tricky thing. When it comes to shirk, right? Other issues in compared to shirk are considered as small. Shirk is the akbarul kabair. There are major sins and then there's the big daddy major sin. Okay? Shirk is that big daddy major sin. The Quran says, That shirk is one thing that won't be forgiven by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All other sins, other, if a person believes in Allah and comes to Allah on the day of judgment, there's forgiveness for that. Allah, Allah will forgive that person, inshaAllah. 
It's to the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But disbelief in Allah is a very tricky thing. So that's that when it comes to music and songs and lyrics. Now I'm going to address another thing, and the reason I'm going to address the second issue is because Alhamdulillah by the mercy of Allah, this month right here is which month? Islamically? The month of Rabi'ul Awal. The month of Rabi'ul Awal is a very special month. Why is it very special? Many things happen in this month, okay? And the most, uh, one of the greatest things that happened in this month is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He sent to this world the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam himself honored the day he was born on. He used to fast on Monday. One of the companions asked, O Messenger of Allah, why do you fast on Monday? What was his response? This is the day I was born in. Authentic narration. So there's no ifs or buts about it. But what's very tricky, what I find problematic, is that I've heard people playing certain nasheeds and not praise of the Prophet and the words that are being said are straight out kufr. What did I say? Straight out kufr. I heard one person reading a poem and the poem it said, he's speaking of the Prophet and he said, Rizq ke qasim hotum. Rizq ke qasim hotum. Which means you are the distributor of sustenance. La hawla wa la quwata illa billah. So even when it comes to poetry, when it comes to praise the Prophet everything has limits. The Prophet said this advice to his companions before he passed away. That after I die, do not exaggerate regarding me like those before me did. And do not make my grave place into a worship, into a place of worship. Because you will be destroyed like those before you came. Shaitan plays these small steps. It's one step at a time, one step at a time, one step at a time. You know, um, he is a messenger of God. He is the son of God. He is God. You see how that happened in Christianity? Just one step at a time, one step at a time. So when it comes to um, these issues, you have to be very careful. Keep your aqidah clear at all time. Right? Our Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is one. And we do not say anything that violates our aqidah. And if we have, we pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgives us. Now the last thing I want to discuss in today's class is an ayah of the Qur'an in Surah Maryam. This is a very important ayah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala while talking about Idris alayhi salam says, وَذْكُرْ فِي الْكِتَابِ Idris. إِنَّهُ كَانَ صِدِّيقًا nabiyya. He was a very truthful person, and he was also a prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَرَفَعْنَاهُ مَكَانًا عَلِيًّا And we elevated him to a lofty place, to a raised place, عَلِيَّ, a high place. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes reference of Idris alayhi salam being elevated. What does this mean? Now the scholars differ in great, different opinion greatly here. So Imam Ibn Kathir rahmatullahi quotes a narration from Ibn Abbas radiallahu an that Ibn Abbas radiallahu an he questioned Kaab radiallahu an actually not Kaab radiallahu an he questioned Kaab and the reason why I removed radiallahu an is because Kaab was someone who accepted Islam during Umar radiallahu an's time. He was a um, Jewish priest. Jewish rabbi, very knowledgeable person of the book, and he accepted Islam during Umar anh's time. And the reason why Ibn Abbas questioned him is because he was so well versed in the tradition from, from, the, from the Jewish standpoint. So he came to Kaab and he said to him, um, what is your information regarding Idris salam? What do you know about Idris salam?" So Kaab said to him that Idris was a prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Someone who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loved very dearly. And in one narration, it mentions that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to Idris alayhi salam, that everyone alive on the earth right now that worships me, I will give you the reward of all of their worship every day. Such a great reward given to him. So Idris alayhi salam, he said to Allah, Ya Allah, 
if this is the case, then allow me to worship you in the world and in paradise too. Hence, he was granted permission to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in paradise. He would come to Jannah and worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then, وَرَفَعْنَاهُ مَكَانًا عَلِيَّ We elevated him to a higher place so that he can worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, there are certain narrations that are actually a little bit more far-fetched. There are some narrations that mention that what happened was that one day, Idris alayhi salam was sleeping, and while he was sleeping, the sun was beating down on him. He woke up all sweaty and said, Ya Allah, the sun is so hot, I can't imagine how hot it must be for the angel who was in charge of controlling the sun and its movement. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Is there anything that you would like for him? And Idris alayhi salam said that I would like for the heat to be lowered on him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala lowered the heat on the angel who is responsible of the sun. And the angel said, Ya Allah, how did the heat come down upon me? And Allah said, One of my servants who lives in the world, Idris, requested, so therefore the heat was lowered down upon you. The angel said, Ya Allah, allow me to meet him. He came to meet Idris alayhi salam. Idris alayhi salam and him became very close buddies. And one day Idris alayhi salam said to him, Can you take me for a ride in your in your uh, Corvette, right? Can you take me in your Can you take me in a ride with you to Jannah? So the angel from the um, from from who was responsible of the of the shams the sun said, let's do it. And he took him for a ride into uh, Jannah. Israeli riwayah. Okay, there is no thubut, no uh, no grounding for such narrations. But these narrations, and there are other interesting stories as well of how how Idris um, alayhi salam made his way to وَرَفَعْنَاهُ مَكَانًا عَلِيَةً This elevated lofty place. Now what some narrations also tell us is that when Idris salam was there in Jannah, he said to the angel who brought him to Jannah, again this is Kaab al-Ahbar's narration again, okay? He said to him, he said to the angel, that you've brought me here, I have a request for you. The angel said, what's your request? He said, can you request the angel of death to delay my death? So the angel said, okay. So he was just about to leave to find the angel of death, and right in front of him was the angel of death. They met in the fourth heaven. That's where Idris salam was with the angel at that time. And the angel of death came right there. So the angel said, I was just looking for you right now. I was going to request you to delay the death of Idris salam. The angel of death said, that cannot happen. The death cannot be delayed even a moment. And then the angel of death asked him, why do you ask that? So he said, because right here with me is Idris alayhi salam. Idris alayhi salam came forward. And the angel of death started laughing. And they asked him, why are you laughing? He said, the reason is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just commanded me to take Idris alayhi salam's soul in the fourth heaven. And I was thinking, how is he going to get here? Elevators haven't been made yet, rocket ships haven't been made yet. How is he going to get here? And he said, right when I was thinking that, I came to the place where Allah told me, and here you are, you brought him for me. So this is also the narration of Ka'b al-Ahbar regarding the um, incident of Idris salam and him being in paradise. Now that's the narration. Ka'b al-Ahbar's narration suggests that Idris salam was brought to Jannah through an angel who was a friend of his. Someone that he had built friendship with. Now how did he build that friendship? How did he build that friendship? Again, like I said, there are other interesting stories that make that part happen. But that's his narration. According to other Mufassideen, they say that this idea that mentions this idea mentioned in the Quran, وَرَفَعْنَاهُ مَكَانًا عَلِيَةً that he was elevated, it has an interpretation. It's not as direct as the as it seems. And then you have some scholars who say that where Allah says we lifted him to an elevated place, what that means is that we gave him a good lineage, because he was from the children of Adam alayhi salam. Sheetha alayhi salam, and as I mentioned, Mahlail and others who were great men, because of that great lineage of his, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions, وَرَفَعْنَاهُ مَكَانًا عَلِيَةً Ibn Abi Najih narrates from Mujahid, who says that, 
وَرَفَعْنَاهُ مَكَارَنَ عَلِيَّ means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protected him from death. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protected him from death. And he lifted him into the heavens. And just as Isa salam has not passed away, Idris salam has also not passed away. And they're suggesting that before the Day of Judgment, Idris salam will also return along with Isa salam. As we know, this is not the common opinion and scholars have refuted this to a great length, how this opinion is not correct. But it's an opinion. Similarly, Sufyan narrates from Mansur, who narrates from Mujahid, that that we elevated him to a lofty place. He says this refers to the fourth heaven. Because we know when the Prophet ﷺ went on Mi'raj, on the fourth heaven, who did he meet there? Idris salam. On the night of Mi'raj, how many heavens did the Prophet visit? Seven. How many prophets did he meet? Eight. How many prophets did he meet? Eight. And how do you remember which prophet he met where? There's a simple acronym, A'yahuma, with two ya's in the middle. A'yahuma, with two ya's. If you remember that acronym, you'll always remember it. Alif, Ayn, Ya, Ya, Alif, Ha, Mim, Alif. If you note this down, this is the exact sequence he met them in, by the way. So if you remember these letters in the sequence, Next time you have, to, you have to recall this, it'll be right there. Alif, Ayn, A'a, Ya, two Ya's, Ya, Ya, and then an Alif after that. So Alif, Ayn, Ya, Ya, and Alif. Huma, Huma is how many letters? Huma is? Ha, Mim, and Alif. So what do these stand for? Heaven number one, Alif. Adam, alayhi salam. Heaven number two, he met two people. Ayn and Ya, Isa and Yahya, two cousins. Heaven number three, he met Ya number two, Yusuf alayhi salam. Heaven number four, Alif again, that is Idris alayhi salam. Huma, heaven number five, he meets Ha, Ha, Harun alayhi salam. Heaven number six, Ma, Musa alayhi salam. And heaven number seven, Alif again, that is Ibrahim alayhi salam. So on the fourth heaven, he met um, Idris alayhi salam, therefore he says, this is what it means that Allah honored him by allowing them to meet on the night of Mi'raj. And then Hassan says, Hassan, Basri and other scholars, they say, actually means that Al-Jannah, that Allah honored him with paradise. Hence he is being praised with that lofty rank that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had given, has given him. Now I want to close off by mentioning one more issue, one more thing. Why is it that Idris salam wanted his death to be delayed? Why did Idris salam want his death to be delayed? So there are many opinions given on this issue. One interesting opinion is given by some scholars. They say the reason is because Idris salam started seeing the traces of idol worshipping in his community. And before he died, he wanted to deal with this. So he requested that his death be delayed so he can remove this from his people. And the angel of death said to him, that the moment of death has come and there is no delay after this. So now you see the idol worshipping starts and it's now in full-fledged motion, it's coming in. Um, did it start during his time already or were the traces set there? Both opinions are there. Some scholars say that it actually started during his time while others say that um, you can find Al-Mihbar that during his time, الأصنام, that during his time idols were already being worshipped. And some scholars, they say that it didn't happen during his time, it actually happened later on. So nonetheless, there is this um, issue here. This is why he requested that um, he, he be given more time.
before his soul be taken out. So this is Sayyidina Idris alayhi salam. Again, many, many lessons and stories we can learn from him. The importance of um, struggling for the cause of Allah, worshipping Allah. He was known for being a very sincere servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We also see that Sayyidina Idris alayhi salam and his people were tested by Allah. His people in particular. And shaitan came and he fooled them and misguided them. So we as people, as community as well, it's important that we watch over ourselves and watch out for the traps of shaitan. Shaitan is very mischievous and very conniving in his approach, how he misguides people. What we also learn from today's story and today's class is how shaitan used a blessing of Allah against them. Writing, drawing, this was a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And look how it was used against him. And ask yourself this question, how many times in life am I blessed with a blessing from Allah and then I end up using it for disobeying Allah? Simplest things like our own eyes. Had Allah taken these eyes away, what would our lives be? Very dark, right? Very dark. Literally. And Allah gave us these eyes, and these same eyes are used now to look at haram. And you kind of ask yourself, what kind of himma, what kind of courage, what kind of jur'ah, what kind of craze must a person have that they use a favor of Allah against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? It's kind of like I give you a match to go light your candle, but instead of lighting your candle, you burn the match and come in and burn my house down. What a, what, what a sad story. That you didn't just burn my house down, but you also used my match to burn my house down. So this obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with the knowledge that Allah gave us. See, Muslim scholars will make this very clear. We don't have any issue against knowledge. Knowledge itself is a very beautiful thing. Whether it's, not, whether it's logic, whether it's philosophy, whether it's history, anything. But the problem is when that logic is misused. misused. When that philosophy is misused, when your science is misused, when your mathematics are misused, these things are supposed to bring you closer to Allah, not take you away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this very um, naive approach, and this very naive statement that people make, that, oh, um, science establishes everything, science proves everything, we don't need God to uh, exist. That's not true. There are many things in the world that science cannot prove. Is that right or wrong? This is a fact, by the way. And if you don't believe that, if you think what I'm saying is an exaggeration, just go and do some homework. There are many things that science just hasn't been able to, just hasn't been able to prove. Well, will the future prove these things? Very possible, inshallah, Allah will bless us with that ilm as well. But again, that same ilm, either it could yudhillu bihi kathira, wa yahdi bihi kathira. That ilm can guide people, and it can also misguide people. We pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows us to understand, Allah allows us to practice, and follow the footsteps of His righteous servants and prophets. Wa sallallahu ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahabihi ajma'een. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.